Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and of course, I'm joined by my trusty sidekick, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going, man? Uh, oh, uh, sorry. I, I was actually paying attention to the football game here because my Chiefs are facing their uh, hated rival Denver Broncos right now. So if I'm a little distracted during the game, it's because of that. See, you're doing it right, and I'm doing it wrong because I've got the game on, but it's behind me, and I don't have eyes in the back of my head. Well, you need, you need eyes in the back of your head nowadays because, I mean, people are getting hit and blindsided and whatnot. So, I mean, there's injuries abounding everywhere, as I'm sure uh, will be talked about during the news. Man, I'll tell you what, before you get to the news, you talk about getting hit and, and all that kind of stuff. I feel like I've been hit by Khalil Mack and J.J. Watt. And I don't know, throw Reggie White in there back in his heyday, too. <sighs> you know I'm a little anal when it comes to my lawn, right? Yes. You've seen those pictures on Twitter and stuff, I'm sure. Well, yes. I found a small patch of Bermuda grass in my lawn. So I was told, just spray it with some Roundup and then go out and dig it, you know, and rake it out and you'll be good. No, that wasn't good enough for me because all of a sudden I started seeing more and more. So I dug up about a five by five square foot area, maybe six by six. Well, I decided to dig about three inches of the grass and soil up. And I kept putting it in my 96-gallon trash can. So about mm-hmm. three-quarters of it has that much in it, and it's full, right? I go to move it. Doesn't go. Good anywhere. luck with that. Doesn't, doesn't move. I'm like, oh, <laughs> got to put some, some rear end into this, right? So you get up on your toes and give it a little yank. I got it. I got Oh, no, wait. Uh, oh, shh. It's come. Yeah, got to the point of no return. I couldn't hold it. It fell on me. It pinned me under it. Wow. And I was lucky that I was just like, first I was like, oh my God, what the hell just happened? So I, re- I know I've got my cell phone on me. I pull it out. I'm, I'm starting to pull it out, I should say. And I hear, Steve, you okay? No, I need help. <laughs> I thought it was my neighbor from across the street. It was a neighbor that was across the street on the other side who is um, 6'5", 250 to 275-ish, if I had to guess. Yes. He lumbered on over to help me. He couldn't pick it up. He, wow. he struggled. So I'm sitting there trying to give a little leverage to, so he can get it, and I had to like squirm out of it. I don't know how I didn't break anything. Seriously, I, I could have snapped my leg that easily. Um, I was lucky. I'm still sore as hell today. But, um, yeah, practice care when you do lawn work and don't try to move 600-pound trash cans with dirt in them. Well, so we moved into our home eight, nine years ago now, and uh, behind our garage was a barrel full of some sort of lawn or sod waste or dirt waste or something, Uh, but it was so big and overgrown back there that we never bothered to get around to taking it. Um, About a year ago, we had hired someone to come in and trim some trees and remove some trees from the backyard, and we said, well, you can go ahead and take that with you too, and we'll pay you for it, and... uh, they had to get out three or four guys to lift that. Again, it was it was a rain bucket sized barrel up and 
up from the gallon into a tr pickup truck. Now, on a regular basis, I, I lift kegs, uh, full kegs, up to waist level on, on two or three a day minimum. So I'm used to lifting heavy loads, but uh, I can only imagine what it would feel like if you were pinned underneath a pile of kegs or underneath something like that that's heavy. Yeah, I mean, I was I was pinned under two Indomitian Sues or something like that, basically. Um, the other thing, too, is after he got me out, I you know, collected myself, okay, yeah, I've just sore, I didn't break anything, not hurt, didn't tear anything. He says, okay, you good? I'm like, yeah. He starts to walk away. Wait a minute, I need you to help me lift this back up. <laughs> i got to get it up. And he, both of us at that point tried to lift it, and we both had to reposition and just get real low. To, I mean, it was hard for two adults. Now, I'm not much, 6 foot, 175, 180, but like I said, he's 6'5", 250, 275, and it was all we had to get it up off the ground so yeah it wasn't fun but um i'm sure that there's some things this week that happened that aren't so fun that maybe you're going to cover in this week's bpn news so i'm just going to throw it right on over to harley schultz for this week's blitzed podcast news thank you steve despite throwing for over 1200 yards in the first three games of the season Tampa Bay benched Ryan Fitzpatrick midway through their Week 4 smackdown by Chicago. The team has already announced that Jameis Winston would start Week 6 when they return from their bye. That shouldn't come as a surprise, seeing as how Jameis has a history of grabbing things that do not belong to him, like crab legs and Uber driver breasts. The beat goes on for NFL tight ends as Rob Gronkowski sustained an ankle injury, cutting short his afternoon Sunday and putting his Thursday appearance in jeopardy. In addition, Tampa Bay appears to have lost co-starting tight end O.J. Howard for the immediate future with an injured MCL. Not to mention that Tyler Eifert, Joe Theismann himself. In response to all of the tight end injuries, Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey have asked that their respective teams officially change their position to split end. <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott absolutely abused Detroit to the tune of 240 combo yards last week. The Packers, Saints, and Dolphins are next up for the Motor City Kitties. So, Aaron Jones and Elvin Kamara are must-starts. It is even safe for us here at VPN News to make the bold proclamation that even the elusive Kenyon Drake is, in fact, not a bench grade against Detroit. <laughs> Ronald Jones made his debut Sunday carrying the ball 10 times for 29 yards, or roughly the total number of yards accrued by Peyton Barber over the first three-plus games. <laughs> and finally, Josh Allen's carriage turned back into a pumpkin. This has been your BPN News Update. Man, that's some harsh stuff. Thank you. It, it, it was a harsh week. And I, and I don't mean harsh in terms of it was rough because it, what would have been rough would have been playing on defense this week because there were points scored in pretty much every game. I mean, every game became a point orgy this week. Yeah. It, don't even, you know what? I'm not even going to talk about the Cleveland Oakland game. Not going to, my, not going to do it. it was, how about the Indy decision? <laughs> um, 
You know, it didn't shock me. I think that it's something like it's kind of like goes back to when Belichick went forward on fourth and whatever it was with Welker back in the day against the Colts. Do you remember that? Everybody was like, "That's not the right yeah, call yep, to make." Yep, yep. Um, I think there's just part of you look where Frank came from, working under Doug Peterson, and it's the mindset that they have. And you know, look at what um, happened in Tennessee. He trusted in his players, and it rewarded them, and they're going to be better for it. I think even though it was a loss for Indy, it's a gain in a sense when you look long-term what it shows that the coach believes in you. So many games went to overtime, and so many points were scored this week. It, it, it just, it, it's mind-blowing. I mean, someone had looked at the point line on DraftKings for the, for the millionaire maker this past week, and it was over 160 for the pay line on, on uh, 50-50 style games. So that, that gives you an idea how just crazy and ridiculous the number of points scored this week was. You've got te- – I mean, for me, uh, I, I actually did very, very good on a couple of my uh, funky lineups that I put out there, including one where I stacked the Chicago Bears. Uh, <laughs> That's nice. Um, yeah, I just lost my train of thought that quickly. See how that goes? Um what the heck was it? It happens. Uh, you may have like some sort of CTE from the uh, weight of the yes. thing landing on top of you. Yes. All my blood was forced into my head this time. Uh, yeah, we, I shouldn't have said that. That's bad. Never mind. Somebody's going to, yeah, I could be a meme on the radio. Okay. Let's just, you know what? It's the, this week, first of all, let me say this. We're four weeks in the books. That's a quarter of the season. That means more than a quarter of the fantasy season, since nobody should go that far to, before the playoffs, I should say. I mean, we're entering week five. Five. Week five. five. And if you're in a survivor pool and you're still alive, that means you <laughs> skipped week four? Yeah. Or week three. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Just... maybe week two. I know what I was going to say. You're talking about the offensive output and stuff like that. I saw, I think it was Scott Kazmer tweeted something along the lines of... The former Tampa Bay pitcher? No. Um, guy that works for FO, um, Fantasy Outsiders. Okay. Maybe I'm pronouncing his name wrong. I apologize, Scott. Anyway, he had something that said something like, in the fourth quarter in overtime, the Browns and the Raiders combined for 15 possessions. Ugh. Possessions. 15 possessions in a quarter and a abbreviated quarter. That's a lot. It really is, but I mean, you talk about Two teams, it was kind of one of those things. It's like, who wants to win at least type of thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, defenses just don't seem to care anymore, with the exception of maybe like a few. There's some few big play linebackers out there that uh, obviously care a little bit more than others. I mean, so I, I was watching a uh, – well, actually, I, I do work part-time for a uh, production crew that does uh, high school football games here in the Twin Cities. And I, I personally saw this one play. Uh, it was a basically – a hitch route by a tight end. He, he turned up the field. Uh, pass was thrown on the dime to him, which you don't usually see in high school. But at the instant the ball arrived in the receiver's hands, the defender arrived. And it, it was one of the loudest, most painful-looking hits I've ever seen at any level of sports. And, and then to see this, I mean, when it happened, I didn't. Uh, it didn't look like it was a dirty hit or anything. But as they were getting up, about five seconds after both guys had gotten up, here comes the flag flying in for uh, an excessive hit or whatever. I mean, landing on top of them. The the ref said it was helmet-to-helmet contact, but there there was no helmet-to-helmet contact. So 
it, it's just it's weird to see that there's certain players on defense that are just so intense. Yeah. And then there's like apparently no one else seems to care. There's also sometimes wrong place, wrong time. Just it's, you know, it's the way it happens. You get it's it's inevitable that's going to happen. But you said this is a high school game, but I heard that there's a chance that the NFL might actually find him. Uh, you know, it could happen. I mean, this guy here uh, was, like I say, he's built like a, I think it was the strong safety, actually, not a linebacker that made the hit in this particular case. But uh, seeing the hit at live speed, you would think that there was no way that this guy was going to get up. I mean, talk about just being crunched. But again, when you look at it in slow motion, you watch it through and it's like they didn't even touch helmets. Yeah. Yeah, it happens, and yes, they. I, we don't need to get into the officiating. We could do that for another two weeks, probably. Um, what we need to get into before we get into our normal day, daily DFS stuff is let's talk about the return of some suspended players. The season, well, you know, the season is uh, new for some guys, you know, in week five. Well, I mean, people get suspended for various reasons, uh, whether they're shooting up or they're they're smoking pot or uh, team violations or. Because Roger Goodell is having a bad day and he forgot to wear his wig, uh, you never know like what the reason is. Uh, players going to be suspended from this league nowadays. So, I mean, again, talking players getting hit hard. I mean, how how long before Clay Matthews is suspended for complaining about the new rules about hitting the quarterback? Is there any truth to the to the rumor that Julio Jones may get suspended if he doesn't score a touchdown soon? Um, well, you have to first assume that Julio Jones actually exists. It's kind of like Schrodinger's cat. Like, is, is, does, does Julio Jones actually exist if no touchdowns are scored? And do touchdowns actually exist if Julio Jones is on the field? I, I tweeted this out earlier. In his last six quarters, that can't be right. Hold on. Let me look at my notes here. I'm sorry. In his last 11 quarters, I'm looking at it backwards. In his last 11 quarters, Calvin Ridley has scored six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Julio Jones has, six, has scored six touchdowns in his last 95 quarters, and that includes yep. playoffs. Well, when you, when you look at the situation, uh, I mean, you would really be unhappy with Julio Jones's production yesterday if he didn't save himself with that 50-yard Hail Mary reception at the end of the game. I mean, his line was very pedestrian uh, against I mean, what should have been a huge day for him based on how everyone else did in that game. Yeah, I'm a big Julio fan. I own him, it, but it's starting to get really painful to see him not getting into the end zone. Maybe it's one of those things just trying too hard. But anyway, let's well, talk about so the guys. I, I, almost, I, I have to say, though, I, I, I'm starting to wonder now if it's some sort of like psychological ploy on behalf of Atlanta. Right. To I mean, like everyone expects when they get into the red zone that sooner or later they've got to actually throw it to Julio so the defense will start committing, overcommitting to that possibility. And every single time, much like Lucy pulling the football out on Charlie Brown, they go to someone else. Yeah. I'll say one last thing before we move on. Julio could very well score 10 touchdowns this year. Just don't be shocked if it happens in two games. That's true. <laughs> he could, I mean, he could run in a couple of those touchdowns. That might be the way for him to get his touchdown. He's going to have to like convince them to call his name on a reverse. Something. All right, so let's... Talk about a few guys that have no wear and tear on them, and their season starts this week in week five because they got on Rogers' bad side or they didn't play nice, et cetera. <laughs> who do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, let's talk about uh, a guy who 
last year was drafted in the top two rounds uh, as a running back, and that's Mark Ingram. Yes. So Kamara has been otherworldly to start this year. Uh, you have to argue that uh, Kamara has been the best running back uh, in, in this class this year. Um, obviously, Todd Gurley has been very good. But with, I mean, there's been question marks on all the other big running backs this season so far. Kamara has just been electric all season. Now, maybe the only knock on Kamara has been that he doesn't have quite as many rushing yards yeah, he's on as pace. you might like. I think he's on pace for I can't. 1100 or 1400 somewhere in that range but combined he's on pace for almost for over like almost 2200 yards i think on the season but i think everyone was concerned early in the season that uh sean payton would use some other running back in the quote-unquote mark ingram role to keep the wear and tear off of kamara and they really didn't no but I don't know if they're going to get in the playoffs, they're going to need Kamara at his freshest. So I do think that Ingram's going to have a role. Is it going to be what the role was last year? Eh, not necessarily. Is it going to be enough to hurt Kamara's value? No, he's still a running back one. But I do think that Ingram winds up having running back two slash flex appeal. Well, now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Ingram is a free agent after this year, correct? I'm 99.9% sure you're correct with that assessment. So isn't there a certain argument made to the factor that Sean Payton would be wise to use and abuse Mark Ingram this year to save Sean Payton, to save Sean Payton, to, sh- to save wear and tear on Elvin Kamara for the future, too? Yeah, I mean, that's always so tricky, though, because the NFL windows close so fast. You know what I mean? You're not guaranteed anything. Look at the Niners from a few years ago, how quick they went from Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender to absolute garbage, and now they're starting you know, to tick up, and then Jimmy gets hurt. But I mean, I, I was going to say you could say that that happened to him between week one and week three of this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess I could see him getting a larger workload than what people ex- expect, but in any event, you draft him. You spent pretty high capital to get him this summer anyway, even with this suspension. Um, I think he's going to start paying off dividends for people. I think the big thing to remember with uh, with Ingram is last year, even with Elvin Kamara having one of the biggest first years in the league of any running back in history, Mark Ingram was still a top 20 running back by the end of the year. And he, he, they both posted absurd numbers. They both made it to the Pro Bowl. Uh, yes, you're getting four games less of Mark Ingram this year. But at the very least, you have to consider Ingram a possibility at the, in, in the green zone, so to speak, yeah. uh, inside the five there. And I, I think that uh, you're not going to want to start him as a running back one. You're probably not even going to want to start him as a running back two. He's going to be the guy you're going to be able to put in as your running back three, uh, fill in on the bye weeks, perhaps start at flex if you've yeah. got a flex spot in your league. Yeah. I mean, and look, he's missed four games, right? So that's going to screw up his end of year ranking, but... I'd much rather have him for the last part of the season than have him for the first part and then lose him out lose out on him in the last four weeks we need him for the playoffs. So that's the silver lining in it. But I think he's somebody that's definitely fantasy worthy and I don't believe his appearance hurts Kamara that much. Hurts him son. Cuz I mean you can't lose touches and, and you can't lose fantasy points and not expect to lose, you know, value, but his value is just so through the roof it's still going to be good. So you wouldn't suggest selling high on Kamara right now? No, I, I wouldn't. I mean, what what would be high enough? 
Good point. <laughs> you know, what What would it take? Would you take, oh, you know you're not getting girly for him, right? So yeah. you're gonna, would you take a Dalvin Cook and OBJ and a Julio? Would you take those three? I, I think the person who had those three wouldn't trade all three of them, but maybe two of those guys for him. But would you take two of those guys for him? Would you take Ugh. Would you take Dalvin Cook and one of those wide receivers? I don't think so. That'd be a tough call. I think from a dynasty standpoint, I definitely would. Dynasty, yes. That's not that's a different yeah. story. But people also fall in love with their assets. So um, remember I said last week about who, who would I trade David Johnson for? If you have him, I think you're stuck with him. There's, You know what I mean? Somebody mm-hmm. asked me that exact question on the radio this past Friday when I was on there. And I had to say, look, I own the guy. And I, I, can't, I can't get rid of him for peanuts. And I'm I'm not going to get as much as I want for him. So you just got to ride him and hope that he get enough from him. I, I think the the easiest place to trade a guy like Kamara in would be in like a super flex type situation, or a, as we've mentioned, in a dynasty or a keeper format where you can get a couple of legitimate keepers, maybe even a couple first round picks for him. Right. Uh, but even even then, it's like you're trading an asset truly in his prime. So you'd have to get back a, a major haul. And again, be, if we're, we're talking, we're talking like two of a guy like Odell Beckham and uh, you mentioned Delvin Cook, I, I someone like Christian McCaffrey maybe. You're, and I still wouldn't do that because, I mean, he's those not Cook as much, but McCaffrey just has to, everything has to flow just perfectly for him to keep his value. So, mm-hmm. okay. We, uh, we uh, square on a guy him. who's had some... Luck follows his way now. Uh, Jameis Winston came back into the game last week, midway yeah. through. Uh, you're, you're talking about replacing a guy who threw for basically 1,350 yards through four and yeah. <laughs> three and a half games. I mean, I'll, I was asked this question on the radio also on Friday. They said basically, I think it was, I have Jameis and I have Fitzpatrick. Who should I start? I said, you can't start either of them. And this was going into this week. I said, for week four, I said, I don't think you can start either of them because I think that if Fitzpatrick has one little slip up or they get too far behind, the team will go to Jameis because they're looking for a reason because they feel like they have to. And that's exactly what happened. Well, I I feel kind of sickened by that because realistically, when you think about it, Fitzpatrick, up until this past game, has been nothing short of spectacular. And that's what he had to be to keep his job, unfortunately. They they faced a team in Chicago that is very, very good defensively. And, again, they got behind quick. It was was an early big lead. And I, I, I hate to think that they truly believe that the magic completely vanished from Fitzpatrick's season that quickly. I don't even think that's what it's about. I truly think it's about that they've hitched their wagon to Winston as their franchise quarterback. And the worst thing that happened to them was what Fitzpatrick was doing the first three weeks of the season. And that at some point they were hoping for a slip up that wouldn't cost them a game, but be enough of a reason to put Jameis in to make it easy for them to not look like, Gosh, look how much of an asshole we are for benching a guy that's thrown for sixteen hundred yards in four weeks now, and taking us to a record of three and one or four and zero. Oh. How do you bench that guy? You don't. But that's well. It's kind of like the uh, the issue that 
you look at a team like Philadelphia had to face coming into this season. It's like yeah. your team just won the Super Bowl with a career backup quarterback starting the final four games down the stretch for you and getting you into the playoffs and surviving some tough matchups and then beating the Patriots in the biggest game of them all. I mean, and then all of a sudden you're coming into the season and everyone just assumes that it's Carson Wentz's job again the moment he's ready. And well, and it was and it is, but if you don't think that Wentz's trip to the field wasn't exaggerated by how poorly Foles had played in the first couple of weeks, you're fooling yourself. Exactly. The better he well, played, the longer it was going to be before Wentz got his job back. And he would still get his job back because the same thing like Fitzpatrick. Basically, if they slip up at all, that's all that has to happen. They have to be perfect. And that's unfair. The question then remains is, obviously, I, I know all of us believe that Fitzpatrick, while he was a great story, he, he is a career segue quarterback, a career backup quarterback who can have some success as a replacement sometimes. But aren't we kind of getting to the point in Jameis Winston's career where yes. we don't know for certain if he's the type of quarterback that they should be saddling up to. Yes. And if you let Fitzpatrick go and he winds up keeping that job through week six, then you get to week eight, then you get to week 10, you're not going to see Jameis this year. Right. And, yeah. And I mean, how many, was it two years left on Jameis's contract? Uh, rookie um, contract? I think so. Him and Mariota both in a year before Wentz, right? Or was it, yeah, year before Wentz. Yep. So they're year three. Yes, I think that's what it is, two years left. I, I think they have to give him the opportunity to either sink or swim. I mean, you can't have like every situation where it's obvious. I mean, like Denver cutting bait on Paxton Lynch really quickly. You, well, you've, you obviously have seen something or enough in Winston in the, in the last two years to c- continue to have that faith in him, but I, I just don't know. I mean, him and Mariota, I mean, they, they were supposed to be the the best class in a long time, and yep. they both have kind of plateaued. Here, and here's what we have. Winston is now auditioning for his job because if at some point, barring injury, and even with injury, if Fitzpatrick has to come back in as a starter for that team, Winston's done. Well, what is Winston's leash now? Don't know. Depends on how long they stay in the race, what happens with other teams. Dirk Cutter seems to be very clueless because he said that everybody should be fired, but he didn't quit. So let's quit talking about him now. Well, let's talk about someone that has a very, very long leash then that's coming back from a suspension. That's Julian Edelman. Yes. Criminally, criminally undervalued in drafts this summer, I think. And again, I mean, I was able to get him in the 12th, 13th round of best ball and uh, <laughs> those type of drafts. It was just, it, it was crazy because, I mean, I think we've seen over these first four weeks how much the Patriots miss him and, and to a lesser degree, Brandon Cooks too. But, I mean, their offense looks so much more comfortable not they had when they had Josh Gordon on the field this past week just because it gave them another body on the field. But, I mean, especially if, if Gronkowski is going to be limited at all because of uh, his injury, I mean, Brady, he's going to be happy to have his binky back. Yeah, I agree. And really, we talked about it during the summer. I mean, it's look, it's four weeks. You've got to find a way to get around them in the beginning of the season when it's easier to find more players because people are healthy. 
Um, I think he comes on, comes back. He's not coming off an injury, which is key. He's not coming back from an injury where you have to worry about, is he going to be okay? Is the leg going to be the way it needs to be? Or is the shoulder okay? Blah, 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 blah. He's ready to get in and go. Um, and I think he does, especially with Gronk possibly missing the game. Well, I mean, and I, I've got him actually in a bunch of Thursday-based uh, DFS lineups already, including some of the Monday-Thursday contests, as, as well as some of the uh, full Thursday through Monday slates for next week, just because, again, his, his value is ridiculously low on all the sites right now. So if you're playing in those Thursday contests, or the contests that allow Thursday players, or even the, uh, the showdown-style contests that they're featuring now on FanDuel and on DraftKings, uh, his price is small enough that you can get him in there. And he, just coming in for the first time, he could easily catch 10 passes this week. Yeah, I mean, I own him in every one of my redraft leagues this year, except for one, and he got sniped right in front of me just about when I was ready to take him. I think he went two, three picks in front of me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on him. I don't think, I think he comes right in, and you're going to get low-end wide receiver one numbers at worst. I think he helps Josh Gordon. I think Josh Gordon helps him. It both helps Brady, and it's not going to hurt the running game either. Exactly. Well, speaking of running games, there's one guy who uh, kind of has flown under the radar as a possible pickup. I actually went out and grabbed him in a bunch of my redraft leagues this past week, basically making a preemptive strike on him. Now, his value got a little bit torpedoed by a great performance this past weekend, I think, but still... Uh, Robert Turbin in Indianapolis. Uh, last year, he was really kind of the goal line guy there, uh, even when Marlon Mack was healthy. So with the team that kind of lacks a true form goal line back right now, and obviously have Naheem Hines, who's looked very, very good in the passing game. Uh, does Turbin get some of those touches inside the red zone now? So in the Flex League, um, in Fantasy League of Experts, Somebody did that exact thing. I didn't have the room to, to take him because I already had Edelman, so I didn't have another roster spot I could afford to give up um, to do a preemptive strike due to the buys with Washington this week. But um, they did what they did. They went and they picked him up. And here's the thing. I don't think that the running game in India is solidified in any way, shape, or form. And you know how injuries happen. So, no, I think Turbin absolutely is a must-add. And actually, if you didn't do it in advance of this week, the fact that Hines had a good week for means that most people may not want to go out and get Turbin. Go out and get him. So what you told we talked about this in the summer. We're talking about it now. Go get him. There's no there's no downside. Well again, it's all about finding those great values. And uh, again, he might be a deep, deep option this week from a uh, again, if you're looking at someone in the Thursday game on DFS, now uh, along those same lines, if you look at the price for Naheem Hines, his price tag is still criminally small too. So he, he actually might be worth playing against a New England team that gives up a lot of passing yards and receptions to opposing running backs. So as long as that role is his, you, you know that that game's going to be a shootout, right? Well, I don't know anything because I actually called for I was the only huddle member, huddle writer that called for the Dolphins to beat the Patriots straight up this weekend, and it did not materialize at all. I don't want to talk about my predictions on that this week. I had a pretty rough week for the second week in a row yeah. in terms of picking the, uh, the, the games. Uh, fortunately, like I said, I had a really great day, though, in terms of picking my starting lineups, including stacking uh, a bunch of guys from the Bears in, in a couple lineups. And also uh, my, my trust in the likelihood that Zach Ertz and uh, both him 
And I, I thought it was be Dallas Goddard too, but both of them didn't have the big game. It was just Ertz against a traditionally tough against tight ends team. But he actually had a really great game, and I was happy to put him in my lineup. Hey, did you see Clinton Portis just scored a touchdown? That Clinton Portis, I thought that was Terrell Davis. Oh, yeah, you're right. It was TD. <laughs> <laughs> now the rookie, the rookie looks strong on that run. Nice 14 yard TD run there. The, both both of the rookies are looking strong on runs. Uh, I've seen a couple of big runs from Philip Lindsay too already today. Yeah, they're 10 for 88 already with a touchdown combined. Um, man, what happened to Kansas City's defense? Oh, that's never mind. That's not what defense. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, um, so Who, who's got a worse defense? Kansas City or Tampa Bay? Yes. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, okay, I'll give you an answer. I've got an answer for you. It's Kansas City. I, I think that, yeah, I think you're right. And uh, he, imagine if those two teams played each other right now. Now, here's what's scary. No, but here's what's scary. I say Kansas City because Tampa Bay has Quan Alexander, Levante David, and Jason Pierre-Paul. And from what I've seen, Tampa Bay has actually been okay against the run this year. Yeah, they're the secondary. Tampa Bay's always had a problem where it seems like they don't have a pass rush, and because they don't have a pass rush, their corners can't cover. Or they'll have a pass rush, but then the corners can't cover, so then the pass rush doesn't have enough time to get there. It's just it's, people don't realize how those two things you know, help each other. A good you know, cornerbacks that can cover gives the pass rush more time to get there. A good pass rush makes the corners have to cover less time so that they can you know, have a better job. So it, they go hand in hand. And right now, though, I'd say because they don't have those types of players in Kansas City, um, Kansas City is the worst defense. Yeah, it's 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 been pretty bad. And, I mean, you can look at various elements. I, I, I mean, Detroit, worst defense in the league against the run by far. I mean, going into a couple weeks ago, Buffalo had that – that right attached to them. But I think it's very clear after last week that Detroit couldn't stop the blind sisters of the elderly nunnery in a football game if they tried to run against them. So it, it's just, I mean, know who the obvious plays are and take advantage of it when you need to, because I started all those guys against Tampa Bay, just thinking to myself, it's like, you know what? No one's going to be on Mitchell Trubisky. As it turned out, there was actually a fairly fairly solid ownership rate on Trubisky on each of the major sites. Uh, I was able to get him very lowly owned on Fanball.com, which was really nice because uh, in their uh, mini Take it to ch- take Me to Charge Challenge, uh, I finished uh, in fourth place in that this past weekend just because I-, I think he was only about 6% owned in that one. There's Right. So it was, it was a much smaller field to play against, less ownership of the odd matchups. But putting together that stack with him and Gabriel and Robinson and Burton, and, and with all the tight ends going down, Trey Burton might be your number three or four tight end right now in the league. Yeah, and hey, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Gabriel on the um, radio show I do on Fridays, I was asked for a sleeper, and I said, Taylor, Taylor Gabriel – Book it scores at least one touchdown this weekend. One well, Tampa's, I mean, as, as good as uh, I should say, as bad as they've been, yep. they have been abhorrent against number two wide receivers. Then, of course, Chicago lost Anthony Miller to the shoulder injury, elevating Gabriel into that like clear number two role. And you are right. I mean, he went big. He went big this week, and. Did- 
a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, let's go pick up Taylor Gabriel. Uh, hold your horses on that. It was against Tampa. Uh, don't don't jump to conclusions based on how one team does against one of the worst teams in football. It, it's it's just not a good move from a redraft standpoint. Don't waste your waiver wire going to pick up uh, Taylor Gabriel because he's still the number two option on a pretty bad offense. And when Miller's back, he'll be the number three option again. Did I mention that that radio station was in Tampa too? Uh, it's quite possible. Oh, no, it was. That's the station I'm on. It's in Tampa. So I got to tell Oh, them. hey, uh, <laughs> a new piece of news just came across the wire here uh, talking about players who are suspended. The guy who's not suspended but who's been choosing to sit out, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, actually. As I was, today is reporting he's going to come back after the Steelers by week seven. That's what I was just going to say. I think before we move into the DFS segment, we should talk about Le'Veon Bell and what people should do with him, actually. Because, um, yeah, there's reports now saying that he will be back week seven. Now, i got to be honest with you. Call me skeptical. He's got to be back by week 10, right? Yes. I think he's back week 10. I don't care what the rumors are right now. Did you not see what happened to Earl Thomas this weekend? Do you think Le'Veon Bell didn't see what happened to Earl Thomas this weekend? And, and so do you think that – Le'Veon thinks he's going to come back and feign an injury and get out of playing the rest of the year, maybe? I saw somebody tweet that, and you know what? Basically, they were tweeting what everybody else was thinking about. It's possible. It's possible. And you know what? Back injuries are subjective. If he says it's a back injury or he says it's a soft tissue injury, it's soft tissue they can kind of see, I guess, with MRIs possibly. But if he calls a back injury, that's subjective. Nobody can say that he's lying. Um, Well, and I think that Pittsburgh obviously needs his familiarity back. Uh, James Conner had a great game week one. People didn't really have a book on him. They didn't know what to expect. Uh, In that game, he wasn't forced to be used a lot in the passing game, which has never really been James Conner's specialty. But since then, Conner has been really, really quiet. He hasn't done much of anything. And a lot of that has been game script, I have to admit. But uh, this is going to be an interesting test for him this week. They're facing Atlanta. Atlanta's actually good against backs on the ground. But they are the absolute worst team by nearly 150 yards uh, against running backs in the air. Again, this isn't James Conner's strong suit. Will Ben Roethlisberger be able to utilize James Conner effectively in the passing game? Or uh, maybe, perhaps, from a sneaky DFS play, is someone a veteran like Stephen Ridley a possibility to get some value this week? All right, let's, let's end it with this. Redraft league only. You own Le'Veon Bell. Are you sitting on him, expecting he's coming back and actually going to play? Or do you take whatever you can get for him because somebody thinks that's what's going to happen and you want to hedge your bet and take, I don't care, say Sony Michelle? (laughs) In a redraft league, and this is just me, if I have Le'Veon Bell, I also have James Conner. No, let's act like you don't. (laughs) <laughs> but even that, if you do, involved, actually, uh, it, even if you do, let's just say you do, now they're going to split carries possibly. That's an option. That's not going to happen. When Le'Veon's back, it's Le'Veon's backfield, and uh, uh, Connor is going to go back to carrying his jockstrap in the uh, locker room. That's about it. Okay, so, so, so are you keeping him or are you moving him if you can? Uh, I, I'll keep him. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I want to have Le'Veon Bell in the playoffs in, in a redraft league. Uh, I, much like David Johnson in the conversation last week, yeah. I would have to be blown away. Much like the Steelers are saying, if they're going to trade him, they're going to have to be blown away. They want to get Le'Veon Bell when it matters. And we, we've seen over the last three years, 
that Le'Veon Bell doesn't need a, a preseason to get ready. Nope, not worried about he that. He always comes in right at the last week, and he always goes in and he immediately does really well. I don't buy. I don't buy that he's reporting, and I don't buy that when he reports, he's actually going to play because uh, I think that he, he could feign an injury. So I'm selling him. I know that tells that gives our listeners no help at all because you're one way and I'm the other, but I'm selling him. I, I mean, if someone was to come to me and offer me nope. Melvin Gordon or nope. Kareem Hunt or yeah, something like that, I'd probably yeah, say yes. That's no doubt, but I'm not even – I'm not going to say I'm doing it for Austin Eckler, but I'm, I'm selling him for pretty much whatever I can get if I can get something solid. Joe Mixon, how about that? Yep. What do you take? I'd do Joe Mixon for him. Yeah, I would too, in a heartbeat. Because Joe Mixon's due back this week, what we've heard. Okay. <laughs> All right, we're really long, but let's get into the DFS. Let's tell people who we're playing, who we're not, and who our values are. But first, how many are we agreeing on this week? Take a quick peek here. This is a tough week, so I, I'm thinking there's going to be one, two, three, uh, four, five, I would say five. That's the number I had, too. So we're both stuck on five. I'll take the over. How's that? I'll make myself really have. You have to give me better odds. Uh, sure, yeah. That's. I mean, again, this week was, I think there's some obvious ones. And I actually avoided a couple ridiculously obvious ones on wide receivers. So that might be where we defer. But That's possible. Okay, let's start at a quarterback. I will um, straight up tell you that. I was shocked at how low the prices were for quarterback on DraftKings. Yes, yes. The DraftKings prices are ridiculously low this week at quarterback. Um, so with that, I didn't feel like anybody was really being paid up for, but I can't pay up for Ben Roethlisberger with how he looked in that second half. I don't care who he's playing or where he's playing, but I'll tell you what. Give me some Phillip Rivers at home against that Oakland team that just gave up how many points to Cleveland? <laughs> I, I have no problem with that. I'm, I'm actually paying up for Ben Roethlisberger, though. Uh, that, that secondary is still shorthanded. And get this. So, I mean, we, we know how good Roethlisberger is at home. Uh, we've talked about his stats at home at infinitum. Well, throw that out the window. Over their last three games, Atlanta's allowed just uh, a meager average of 356 passing yards and three touchdowns to the position. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's the best of both worlds coming together. I, I can't imagine that uh, Roethlisberger is going to let this team languish any longer. I, this this past week looked like the uh, straw that broke the camel's back type of thing. Again, if, and this is a big if, if Connor can be effective in the passing game, uh, that's going to be 100 yards just to the backs again against Atlanta. Okay. I thought that'd be too much of a softball for you. I thought for sure we were going to match on Rivers because that was the more cute play, quite honestly. But I, I, I do like Rivers. But again, I, I played him last week. He was my number one last week, and he actually had a, a decent game. He wasn't the best overall, but I had him in my in my top three. Okay, so now here I've got two names that I want to stay away from because I was like, okay, who do I want it to be? A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B. And I'm probably going to go with the wrong guy. That won't that you won't agree with, but I'm going to tell you that I had Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff of my stay as my stayaways, and I'm going to say that Goff is the one I'm staying away from. I know that Seattle's not the same team, but it's still in Seattle, and that team, those two teams, seem to play lower scoring battles over the years. And I know that the Rams are a different team now, but I also think there could be a little bit of a letdown. So I don't think Goff is worth paying up for. 
Well, I, you know, I was kind of hemming and hawing on that game. Uh, I have a strange feeling that, I mean, it sounds like, uh, I mean, Marcus Peters will be back for this game uh, once again, but he, at, he showed against the Vikings that he was limited last week. Uh, this could turn into a bit of a, sh- a sneaky shootout there, much like the L.A. Rams versus Vikings game was on Thursday of last week. So It could. That's... I didn't want to give him a negative grade just yet, but I can certainly see where you're getting out that they do have a history in that division of playing lower score games. Uh, the guy I'm staying away from, and I did think about Patrick Mahomes. We obviously we didn't see this game yet. We didn't uh, didn't know if he would be slowed down at all by Chris Harris and the Denver pass rush. But the guy I'm staying away from is Aaron Rodgers at Detroit. Okay, and here's why. You don't have to pass the ball against Detroit. Uh, Rodgers will also likely be without Geronimo Ellison, likely without Randall Cobb. And and Detroit, for the most part, has been pretty good against the pass this year. They've allowed an average of under 200 passing yards per game so far, and they've not allowed more than two passing touchdowns in any game so far. Their their average for the season is actually below two passing touchdowns per game. Uh, This is is a game that... uh, Green Bay is going to win, but they're going to win it just by running over, around, and through. You know what that is? Casey, jo- Casey Jones carrying the ball? That is the A train. Yes, that is Aaron <laughs> Jones. Okay. Um, yeah, If put it this way. If, if Mahomes was at Jacksonville instead of playing in Kansas City, he'd have been my say away, without a doubt. Um, who's your value play? I know that I have one of your two. I picked two, but I'm not gonna. I'm gonna be honest and say who I have. I'll show you if I have to in the camera. I, you know, I didn't like a lot of the values this week at quarterback. The lower price guys again because the prices were so low at the top end. Yep. Uh, the guy that is one clear and obvious value though, Blake Bortles at Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette's questionable the rest of the year. <laughs> I mean, just like if you own Leonard Fournette. I think I'd rather own Le'Veon Bell right now than Laird Fournette because Laird Fournette might suit up for every game and he might get pulled from every game the rest of the year. Yep. Uh, but the nice thing about when Fournette isn't on the field, that boosts the value of Blake Bortles. Uh, Chiefs secondary has reached a new level of ineptitude. Uh, even Bortles can take care of this game. So I pulled it up and put it in front of the camera. I don't know if you saw it, but I had Bortles slash somebody else. And I went with I the other. I didn't see the other one. You wouldn't say it, and I and I circled the other guy because he's a couple hundred bucks cheaper. I think it is. Um, I like Tannehill this week. I think there's a bounce back. I think he's got a good matchup. Um, go look at what Cincinnati's done. I, I haven't seen how they rank after this past week, which it's just going to make them that much worse to passers. Um, and I think that you know Miami got rudely awakened with what happened in Week Four, so we're going to see a bounce back. Well, fortunately, I didn't hitch my wagons too heavily to Tannehill. Uh, I did overinvest in Danny Amendola and the revenge game factor, but uh, uh, fortunately, that didn't cost me too much. But yeah, the, the Tannehill script last week, a lot of people were on him as a sleeper. I think that's going to get a lot of people off of him for this game, which is going to make him fairly lowly owned. So again, he'd be a great pickup as a value play. But again, the stack with a guy like Kenny Stills, or possibly rolling Amendola again, or both of them even, uh, is a sneaky way to play because, again, he's going to be off everyone's radar after last week. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move to the running back where we're going to go three for three. Uh, of course, my computer is starting to freeze up here, but here we go. 
Uh, running back, I am going to pay up for Christian McCaffrey versus the Giants. Oh, no, you're just killing me. Killing me. <laughs> uh, Elvin Kamara just totaled three touchdowns and 181 combo yards on against the Giants. They've allowed three running backs to score already through the air, which leads the league. I mean, we, we talked a little earlier about how bad Atlanta is against uh, opposing receiving running backs in terms of yardage and receptions. Well, as bad as they are against receiving backs, uh, they haven't given up as many touchdowns to receiving backs as the Giants have. So I went with Melvin Gordon, a um, little bit higher priced than CMC. Um, did you see what Cleveland did to them this weekend? Um, <laughs> yes, 25 carries, 187 yards, two touchdowns, two touchdowns that were in excess of 40-plus yards for Nick, Ch- Nick Chubb. Um, Gordon already is just doing yeoman's work, so I don't think you could ask for a much better matchup, especially with him being at home. If I'm going to pay up for that price and it's not for Todd Gurley, that's who I'm paying up for. You know, I, I like both Gurley and Gordon as pay-up options too. I just I didn't want to spend that much when I knew I was going to be spending a lot on McCaffrey. But looking at how... You know, there's so much just bad options down below. There's a good nine or ten guys after them that I want nothing to do with this week. Yep. It it wouldn't be a horrible suggestion to buy two of those big three backs this week and then play down pay down at some of the other positions. Okay, so now let's move into the stay aways, and I'm just going to be the first one to say, I know we're not going to agree now based on what you just said. I'm staying away from Todd Gurley. So I'm doing the reverse stack. I'm staying away from Goff and Gurley. Um, do I expect him to be shut out? No. Do I expect him to have a decent fantasy day? Yes. Do I expect 30 to 40 fantasy points? No. I still think it's going to be a lower scoring game than what anybody's expecting. So at that price, that's why I'm staying away. I'm going to stay away from Tevin Coleman against Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh obviously has been shootouts in every one of their games, but Tevin Coleman should have been in a shootout last week and he didn't. (laughs) <laughs> only one team has reached 100 rushing yards against Pittsburgh's run defense this year. Again, I think this game's going to be very pass-heavy, and as good as Tevin Coleman is in the passing game, he wasn't utilized as such last week, so yeah. I, I like the receivers in this game. I, I don't like the running backs for either side. And Connor's too high priced this week, too, so a- avoid the running backs in that game altogether. Okay. So I'm guessing that our value is going to have to match here unless you just went cheap, 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 cheap. Oh, uh, we, we match at this one here. And uh, you mentioned him earlier. It's yep. the A-Train. Okay. A-Train traveling into Detroit. He, Everyone here, just watch a couple of the plays of what Zeke did to this defense. After that butt whooping, Detroit is now allowing opposing running backs to average. So we know Zeke had 240 yards combo. Opposing running backs for the season now are averaging over 200 yards per game against this team. Yikes! But hey, that's good yeah. for us. That's good for us Jones owners that drafted him and stashed him, knowing that he would wind up being the man. Yeah, this. this uh, yes, Jamal Williams will get some touches. Yes, Ty Montgomery will get some looks. They, they, all three of those guys could finish with 100 total yards this week. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked in the least. All right, so let's throw it on over to wide receiver. And I know you said that there were some clear-cut ones that you were avoiding, so now I'm probably going to only have one match with you all day. But I did give serious consideration 
to saying I was going to pay up for Julio Jones. Because remember when he first started his career, he did much better away than he did in home games. And Pittsburgh can be had. But I am going Antonio Brown, which makes me more remiss to say that I didn't do the stack like I should have with Ben and A.B. But I'm paying up for Brown. I have no problem with paying up for Brown or Julio or even Odell. Uh, I, I think that he, he's in a better situation now that Josh Norman's no longer in Carolina. Uh, Keenan Allen, I don't mind at his price tag. Again, we talked a little bit about uh, the fact that Oakland is really bad on every element in defense. But the guy I'm paying up for, and I had to choose between two that I was really close on, are Adam Thielen and Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Smith-Schuster, for the same reasons that you're picking Antonio Brown, he's uh, got a great matchup, and I think that he's going to draw a little less attention than Brown will. Uh, But Adam Thielen is facing Philadelphia. Now, a lot of people might think to themselves, well, Philadelphia, they've got good defense, don't they? But they really don't. Uh, And particularly number one wide receivers have really had problems against them this year. They've had problems with Corey Davis last week, T.Y. Hilton the week before that, Mike Evans the week before that. All three had good games. <coughs> I love Adam Thielen this week. I like him more than I do Stephon Diggs just because he gets more targets than Diggs, but they're both good plays, I think, this week against the Philly defense that is overrated. It's going to be a heck of a game because both teams are in need of a win. Um, probably give the edge to Philly because they're in Philly, but I wouldn't feel safe paying up for Thielen going on the road because that game could be a 10-7 type game. Uh, as long as it isn't a game like last uh, last January. Yeah, that's true. Well, if you're on the Minnesota side, you don't want to see that. All right, so who are you staying away from? Can we get a match here? Well, I'm staying away from Aaron Rodgers, so I'm going to stay away from his number one receiver, Devontae Adams at Detroit. So you did the reverse stack too? Uh, with Cobb and Ellison both likely out, Adams is going to be triple team this week. One of those three guys that's going to be triple teaming him is Darius Slade who probably could cover Adams on his own, but he's going to have double help now too. So uh, there's, I, I want nothing to do with any part of that passing game other than maybe Ty Montgomery. And the guy I'm staying away from, his quarterback's having a heck of a year so far. Um, but A.J. Green is going to be going up against a Miami team that I think has an underrated cornerback on it that could limit him severely. So he's the guy I'm staying away from this week. You know, I... Xavier so, Howard, by the way. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I like I like Howard. Uh, I, I was looking up some stat, though, that made me want to start green this week. And I think it had something to do about number one receiver was against him. I, I'll have to look that up again. I'll, I'll post something on Twitter for our listeners about what the stat was. But uh, number one receivers, for whatever reason, were doing good against the Miami defense this year. So okay. I, I loosely gave green a starting grade, uh, but... I will do a little more digging, too, because, I, yes, I do agree. Uh, Xavier Howard's a very good cornerback. And I think that losing Eifert is a part of it also because now there's one less weapon. So, uh, right. This is where we might match his value play. No, I don't think so, but go ahead. Uh, I'm going to ride the train here, so to speak, with Kelvin Ridley at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh really can't stop anyone through the air. Each of their last three opponents, uh, wide receiver teams, have teamed up to accrue more than 200 total yards. Uh, Sarkeesian obviously won't throw the ball to Julio Jones in the red zone. So I, I think you just got to keep putting in Kelvin Ridley as long as his price is only 5,800. This, this is like Kenny Galladay the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, Kelvin Ridley's price hasn't jumped up yet. So 
take advantage while you can. I mean, see, and I, I didn't look at anybody. Far. I didn't look at anybody above five k. So no, we're not going to agree. I had to try and stay sub. Um, I went with somebody that I thought there was a chance that you could stack since you were playing somebody else's value play. But I'm going with D.D. Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going on the road, but he's playing that Kansas City defense. So, you know, he had 13 targets this past week. 13. Maybe he's got a good I, I, I like that. I mean, you could, you could look at any of the uh, guys from Jacksonville, possibly the stack yeah. Bortles. Or you, you can Moncrief. You could go uh, Keelan Cole. Um, if you're talking the Pittsburgh game, you can also look at a guy like Mohamed Sanu in that price range. Uh, uh, other names I really, really like this week, uh, Jarius Wright against the Giants, uh, who can't cover anyone beyond number one receivers. Uh, Jordan Matthews against the Vikings operating in the middle of the field where they really don't – I mean, the middle of the field defense for the Vikings right now is a complete and total con job. It's it's horrid. Yeah. That's why Ertz is in line for a good game, I think. So you want to move it on over to tight end? Nice little segue there to my pay-to-play tight end, Zach Ertz. Oh, we agree again. <laughs> Uh, two words for everyone. Anthony Barr. Look him up. <laughs> now we just have to agree on the next four tight ends so that I can win my over. Oh, that's right. There are only two others after this. Anthony Barr uh, in coverage is just torrid. <laughs> the only thing that's going to hurt Zach Ertz this week could be Dallas Goddard. That's it. Yeah, you know, And Alshon Jeffrey. But I don't I think they will. I that... Uh, the return of Elshon Jeffrey wouldn't have a huge effect on Goddard, but uh, it did. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. Ertz is who I wrote down because I don't want Kelsey against that Jaguars defense. Or two for two against uh, tight ends, and uh, Jacksonville does have a very good deep. And you know what? Is he the worst of the best? Possibly. It's really going to be the first true test uh, for Mr. Patrick Mahomes the second to yep. throw the ball against that Jacksonville defense. And, uh, Again, we talk a lot about Jacksonville's incredible cornerbacks, but they're also really good against tight ends, too. It, it, there's really no weak spot in that passing defense. So uh, if you're going to pay that much for a tight end, you might as well buy Ertz. Yep, exactly. I, I don't disagree with you. That's exa- that, I didn't even have, like, two thoughts. It was like, yep, here, yep, here, there we go. Now let's go find a value play. And I think, going with? I think your value play is going to be in a game that you've talked a lot about tonight, but that's not who mine's going to be in. <laughs> um, I'm going to say I've got to go. I was going to go with George Kittle. I was. But I was like, nah, I've got to go deeper than that. Um, I was going to make Kittle my payup, and I was like, nah, I can't get cute like that. I've got to go with Ertz. I'm going with Ricky Don't Lose My Number, Seals Jones. Uh, we aren't a match, but I totally agree with that play there. I, I do love Ricky Seals Jones matchup this week. Uh, the guy I'm going with, much like you said, is in a game that we've talked quite a bit about so far, and that's the Atlanta-Pittsburgh game. Yep, I knew I'm going to go with Vance McDonald. Uh, now, think about this, folks. Don't you just really want we, – we talked about big hits earlier today. Don't you just want to watch Vance McDonald truck over the second-team safeties from the Falcons? <laughs> I actually thought you might have been cute and said Jesse James, uh, but I knew it was going to be one of those guys. I uh, just – He'll be so much fun. I mean, he's going to push them with one hand, and they're going to fly about five yards down the field. Yeah, I actually feel bad for the Falcons' defense. That's a shame. <laughs> um, all right, so there you have it. We had a wonderful three that we agreed upon. Um, so I lose, you win, but we weren't nowhere near five. 
Well, not one of our better weeks, but that's okay. A lot of good I thought Calvin Ridley was going to be a match for us. That, that was the one that was hey, feeling that we would definitely. You know me. I always got to go cheap. I can't. The, the value, usually, 99% of the time, I got to go cheap. I can't just say, oh, he's priced wrong and that's a great value. I got to try and go cheap. So that's, I hear you. that's why I didn't look at him. He was, you know, above five grand. But yes, that's usually I say don't chase the points at this point. Beep. Um, go chase the points. I might have. To, where's our, Where's our five second delay? I might have to edit that one out. That was a bad one right there. Woo! Yep, that one slipped. That's the first of this year. Maybe last. I didn't think I had to edit one of those out last year either. Exactly. Blame it on the alcohol, right? Hey, no. You know what? My blame F-bom- it on the CTE my, from the bucket falling on you. My f bombs <laughs> are as rare as Julio Jones TDs. With oh. that, with that, I'm going to say make sure that you are. If you're listening to us on iTunes, subscribe, rate us, all that good stuff. Leave us a good review. Follow Harley Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, if you're not on iTunes, you can listen to us for free at the Huddle. And as always, until next week, get blitz responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>